Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by PR Week. For more podcasts, visit us online at prweek.com. Hello, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddles. I'm managing editor of PR Week. I'm really excited to be here today for this very special podcast sponsored by NRG, and it features Jin Kinney, VP of Comms and Marketing at NRG. Jin, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And a lot of really interesting things we're going to be talking about, diversity, equity, and inclusion, purpose, working with the CEO, which is something I know everyone out there is always very interested in. Also, talking a little bit about the pandemic and a large acquisition that NRG made and how that affected Jin. And by the way, just a little spoiler, it affected her a lot. (laughs) She was very busy during that period, as she always is. But really looking forward to having this conversation with you, Jin. And let's get right to it. So, The first thing you see when you go onto NRG's website are the words, advancing toward a more sustainable future. There are folks out there who might raise an eyebrow to hear that message from an energy company. Your Our Story page acknowledges this to an extent by noting, we have to be willing to transform the way we approach energy and imagine new solutions that will strengthen our collective energy community. So please talk a bit about how energy is uniquely approaching this transformation and how it is telling that story to an audience that does include its share of skeptics. As we started our sustainability journey years ago, we started with a simple statement of when you're a a big contributor to the problem or to the issue, you can also play a big part in defining the solutions and always looking inwardly. Um, And so we've made this strategic response um, to certain megatrends that are impacting the power sector, like decarbonization, demand side management, and quite frankly, customer, customer preference. And this means pivoting away from traditional power generation while we are still stewards of a fleet of both fossil and we've contracted renewables. It's still our responsibility to be mindful and and have a just transition away from some of those traditional fossil fuels. But we need to start leaning more into the customer side of our business. And I hope you all will go and look at our 11th annual sustainability report. We've reduced our carbon footprint uh, by 55% from our 2014 baseline. And we've exceeded our 50% reduction five years early. Uh, And again, that's because we start looking at inwardly looking at ourselves and seeing how we can be part of the solution to climate change. And then we're also going to electrify our light duty vehicle fleet. Mm -hmm. And then on the business side, because we also serve business customers, um, we created a product called Renewable Select. And that gives commercial industrial customers the opportunity to engage in renewables. So as the experts in the energy business, we should be able to facilitate and sort of democratize the accessibility of these types of of renewable um, assets that, you know, our customers are asking for. It, It simplifies the process and allows our consumers to play their part. Um, And on the other side, while we're still producing electrons, we're going to do it as responsibly as we can. Very much appreciate that. I love hearing how you're working with your customers so much more because clearly it's customers who are calling for companies to be purposeful. And again, a company like yours, given what you produce, which is essential to the world, there there could be some skepticism, but I can easily see how you're really quelling that. And um, are are you are you finding that that skepticism about a company like yours true commitment to purpose and sustainability has probably lessened a lot based on your efforts 
Also the transparency in which we report. We produce a sustainability report where, you know, there's a, a lot of alphabet soups of all the organizations where we report from a financial perspective, um, how we've reduced our, uh, you know, uh, results by, you know, carbon versus, you know, other parts of our business. So I think one is just transparency. Whenever we can disclose it, we will disclose it so that we can produce that transparency and that our you know consumers are looking for. That's true. Customers are so much smarter than they used to be, which is uh, a challenge and an opportunity, I suppose. Um, this is actually a really good segue to talk about NRG's recent $3.6 billion acquisition of direct energy. I'd have to imagine this is a key part of the way energy is and will transform the way it delivers energy to its customers and continue its sustainability efforts. So please talk a bit about how this merger plays into all of this. In addition, this deal was worked on during the pandemic, which is a unique aspect of all this. Feel free to address that as well and the challenges that that presented. With this acquisition, we gained an additional approximately 3 million customers and we added um, natural gas to our portfolio. Mm. So just that, that alone, we pretty much doubled the size of our operations and also expanded more fully into Canada. So, you know, we see this acquisition being very complimentary. We're actually serving those customers um, both on home and business and introducing new products and services, again, with the idea of simplifying their lives, providing them products and services that are congruent with their own beliefs and values and adding additional you know three million retail and small business customers um, that certainly has broadened our footprint and also has broadened our ability to reach customers at scale and make a greater make a greater impact as it relates to an, an acquisition and integration during the pandemic um, we, we, it was cert there was certainly a lot of communication efforts leading up to the, the acquisition announcement. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of bringing everybody to have a remote status and, and helping them um, work through all of the external issues of the pandemic, we were also in the throes of this um, acquisition. And, and now, you know, we're still in the midst of integration. Well, that's our focus for the remainder of this year. And I just say that the marketing communications team was really critical in helping bring that about. When, you know, one of the things we focused on was um, our aligned values around how we're handling the pandemic, mm -hmm. how we're reaching out to our customers, how we're treating each other. Um, and we did a great job. And in fact, our, our NPS score was really high last year when we polled our ENPS score was really high last year because the employees did recognize the fact that change is hard and not only changing the acquisition, you're not just changing the flag or what's on your business card, you're changing how you operate. Mm -hmm. So we had to be really thoughtful, really mindful of how we communicated. We probably over communicated, but as we all know, you have to repeat something several times so that each audience can, can really take it in and consume it. And then, and then we also create a, a a fairly formal culture of feedback. We surveyed, and we might have over-surveyed, but that's okay. We were continuously checking in with employees, checking in with customers, getting that feedback, and then adapting where we could, um, and, and sharing that feedback to let them know that we were listening, and they had a say in how things were moving forward. You know, I really appreciate your candor about over-communicating, over-surveying, but I truly, truly believe, especially over the last year plus, there's no such thing, especially now that, you know, 
you have a lot, you have 3 million more customers now, but that probably also means that Jin and her team have 3 million more people that they have to communicate to. That's going to require a lot of a different kind of energy from you. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how you're going to handle that. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll handle it wonderfully. But, you know, now um, I want to move over to when you talk about sustainability, you're obviously talking about purpose, which has never been more focused upon by companies and consumers alike as it is now. And a key part of the purpose conversation is diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, another topic of huge importance to all stakeholders. In my research leading up to today, and yes, I actually do do research before I interview people. I don't think Jin's surprised by that, but I know some of you out there might be, so ah, anyway. Um, I have learned that energy, about NRG's true devotion to DEI. I am more than happy to give you the floor, Jin, to discuss the brand's unique commitment to this and how it manifests itself. Wow. Well, you know, there are a lot of catalysts last year during the pandemic and particularly around social justice and um, that really brings it to the forefront and as a company that serves 6 million customers, employs thousands of human beings. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to not be part of the discussion. It's impossible not to have a very strong standpoint and it actually just starts at the top. Um, it, you know, DE&I, that's one of our core um, company values. And we're working, we're working hard to make sure we're a place where everyone has a seat at the table. We're not perfect. We still have a long way to go. Um, but by at least acknowledging where we want to go and where we currently are, I think that gives a sense to our employees and to all of our stakeholders, really, that we're, that we're committed um, to do our part. And I say often, you don't have to be a board member or CEO um, or even a senior vice president to be a leader in these areas. You know, leadership is throughout the organization. I have to say, uh, we have a, a great group of folks leading our, what we call business resource groups or employee resource groups um, around different topics and, and parts of the company that are important to them. And we listen, um, they lead, and it doesn't matter what part of the organization you're in. You know, again, back to, you have to know where you are so that you know where you can go and make changes. Um, you know, we completed our first uh, gender and race pay equity study mm. last year. And, uh, and then we shared top line results with the company so that everyone had an understanding of where we stood. All of our employees have completed unconscious bias training. It's something that happens, you know, and there's nothing to, you know, only thing we do is recognize it and then work towards um, overcoming it. And, you know, we really, take it to heart how we organize our organization so that people can um, provide their point of view. One of the things we did last year too was we had a 21-member um, a cross-functional DNI task force and we worked on several projects of how we can move forward and be better, uh, be a better steward um, for all of the voices of the company. I really appreciate that because first of all, seven out of 11 of your board being diverse that number speaks for itself, which is terrific. Um, you know, I think that's an enviable number. I think a lot of people, a lot of companies might find that to be quite an enviable number, actually. Um, but I also noticed throughout this conversation, um, NRG seems to be very, very self-aware of what, where, what it does well, what it doesn't do well on a lot of different fronts. And it really, really works hard, especially when it doesn't do well, to try to fix it. And I really appreciate that because you know what? What you said earlier was brilliant in that, you know, you can't solve a problem, you don't recognize the problem and admit the problem um, and know your role in the problem. You mentioned uh, Mauricio Gutierrez, who is your CEO. I want to talk a little bit about him, particularly your relationship with him as the head of comms and marketing there. 
you did explain a little bit about um, how your brand's commitment to both sustainability and DEI comes from the top, and clearly Mauricio is a huge part of that. But I also want you to just talk a little bit more broadly about his relationship with you as a head of comms and marketing at NRG, um, because clearly it's very important to everyone out there that seat at the table and the having the ear of the CEO in particular is so important to what you do for a living and what people similar to you do for a living. So talk a little bit about your relationship with uh, Mauricio and how much he supports your, your marketing and comms efforts at NRG. Sure. Well, I think one thing that we, you know, as a Marcom team and me in particular, we offer uh, perspective. So the CEO's job, president CEO's job is a lot of running the company, the operations, the financials, um, looking across the business, how we're going to innovate. And one of the things that I think we bring to the table is that per perspective of, is it all tying together? Are we staying on course with our mission and purpose? And, you know, over the, over the years, we've evolved that mission and purpose. And again, leaning in more to the customer, but also taking issues to build a better workforce, build a better sense of community within our company. Um, working on morale, knowing your audience, and as a Marcom professional, that should be one of the key things, you know, after know thyself, know <laughs> thy audience. <laughs> and so I, I really help him take his message and target it to the most appropriate um, audience. Um, I'm often a sounding board as well mm. for those particular communications. I have no doubt you make his job easier too. So that sounds like a very good symbiotic relationship, which is very, very encouraging to hear. It's the way that all people in your position should deal with their CEOs. The last topic I want to talk to you about um, pertains to something I've mentioned quite a few times during this uh, podcast, but haven't actually specified, uh, haven't actually focused specifically on is the fact that again, your title is comms and marketing. And I bet there's a lot of people out there who kind of envy that because the way comms works with marketing is something that every single brand has to deal with. I guess I should say, I assume it works pretty well together at your company because you lead them both. But if you could give one piece of advice to all of our listeners out there, especially ones who do not work at organizations where comms and marketing are under the same um, umbrella, I guess, for lack of a better term, what would it be to sort of make sure that those two disciplines do work effectively together? I think it just comes down to that spirit of collaboration. It's, you know, making the, making the effort to sit down with your colleagues and come up with a common platform or a common set of values or a common set of goals. Mm -hmm. And then you may need to go off in your, your area and, 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 you know, deliver on the expectations for a wider variety of uh, stakeholders. But, you know, early on, we set, uh, we set a very common kind of shared goals, what we want to communicate and kind of ladders back to some of the other topics we've discussed around purpose. Mm. And within NRG, our, we have a common purpose and the leaders across the organization, I think really have bought into that. And they're really committed to ensuring that we deliver on our promises in a world where marketing channels are on 24 hours a day. Information is customized and personalized. All, you know, so much more digital. There really is no pure, public relations or media relations and pure marketing efforts. They're so intertwined now because of this always on omni-channel environment in which we operate. Mm. And while we may create a piece that's directly targeted to an energy manager at a small company, 
the tone, the language, the messages that are in that communication still need to be congruent. Just how we would talk to, you know, sell, me selling, trying to sell electricity to my mother. That part still has to maintain that consistency and that um, those elements of really kind of driving back to our purpose. Because if we, and we do want to be a consumer focused company, Consumers are going to make decisions around whether or not they identify with your purpose and values. I love the way you brought that back to purpose. I wasn't expecting that, but that was really, really very good. Um, I, guess I, I guess I only have one more question for you. Um, is your mom an energy customer? She isn't because she doesn't live in an area where she can choose her <laughs> provider. And so we're working towards that too, because everyone should be able to choose their provider. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I, had, I had to ask that question because, you know, <laughs> it just seemed to make sense with the way the conversation was flowing. But speaking of that, Jen, um, this has been an absolute pleasure. Your commitment to purpose in DEI is really, really admirable. And it's, it's, based, in, it's based in your company's DNA. I, could already, I think everyone can tell that right now. I think that's so, so important. And again, most of all, I obviously just want to thank you for spending some time with me today talking with me about some of these very, very key issues that I know are very important to PR Week's audience. Obviously, I want to thank NRG for sponsoring this session. Um, much appreciation for that. And for all of you out there, of course, thank you for tuning in. Please be on the lookout for uh, more podcasts from PR Week. One of the um, results of the past year and a half is we've been producing quite a few podcasts, editorial and others. And um, we look forward to delivering them to you more and more. And uh, please be on the lookout for those. But um, until then, thanks to you, Jin. Thanks to NRG. And I do hope you all enjoy the rest of your day.